0: Like, Avery, do they like your product or do they love your product?
1: That's what a VC asked Avery Tailscale's founder before they raised over $100 million. Listen to what he said.
0: I'm like, huh. This is 2019, this is like version 0.1 or whatever. And I'm like, well, I'm gonna say they like it.
1: (laughs) So he was like, well, that's your mission for the next 12 months, make sure they love your product. And this one hit me really hard, whether you're a founder or not, do people love the output of what you're creating? Avery and his team went all in on that one word.
0: So that's what we did for the next 12 months. And we've been continuing to do is like, look, when you get people who really love your product, then they tell people about it. The more they love it, the more they tell people about it. And Tailscale has been really fun because we put everything into that. And so we have this huge word of mouth where like people are like ranting to their friends about how much they love this thing.
1: My question was then, what's the biggest lever that you used to get your customers from liking it to loving it? Most
0: important thing is just listen to people's feedback. It's so obvious, right? I personally hang out on Twitter and, and monitor like every usage of the word tail scale. And you can go on a search trying to find feedback about tail scale. And it is kind of hard to find people who are upset about things. There's still, you know, if I was to make a list, there's like five things I can find. Hacker News has always got the cynics. Like, okay, you can discard those, but there's a few people. They want they want this and they want that. And we just like make the list and we just keep chopping through those specific things. I know net promoter score is like kind of not in vogue nowadays, but the underlying concept of like, there's the people in the middle who just don't bother talking about you and the people at the bottom who tell people not to use your product and the people who at the top who tell people to use your product, right? You just want to get rid of those people at the bottom and you want to move more and more people from the middle to the top. It all comes down to like, okay, what was your experience? How can we make that better? Anybody who uses the product, even on the $0 plan, you can send us an email and you will get our best people trying to find your problem and and solve it because we know that that problem if it happened to you happens to thousands of other people and we need to solve it as fast as we can.
1: I did not team up to say that as a Zendesk commercial, but that is what it's all about. My biggest takeaway, the things that I'm doing in my life is the output of it. Something that people like or do they love. And if I'm not getting that feedback on a frequent basis, if I'm not taking it seriously and acting on it, there's no way that people love it. It's hitting me right now. And so anyone who's listening to this who has feedback for this podcast, come and tell me because I want to get better. I want to improve, I want to go. I want you to go from just, you know, it's a good podcast. I like listening to it, to loving it and I, and I wanna challenge each other in this community. It's a great episode, boom. Welcome to Sit Down Startup Founder Podcasts. We interview the best founders in the world and ask them what they did in the early days, right before that hockey stick growth moment. I'm your host, Adam O'Donnell, a former founder. I live here in San Francisco and I now work for Zendesk for startups. Zendesk is a customer support platform and we offer six months free to qualified product-oriented startups. This week's partner shout out goes to Nacho Nacho, a marketplace for B2B SaaS. They have hundreds of great SaaS tools on there, but the coolest part, they have a virtual credit card that you can use for each individual SaaS product. It gives you a lot more control and flexibility over your spend. Check the link below, but Zendesk customers get 50% lifetime discount on Nacho Nacho. Avery, welcome to Sit Down Startup. Founder podcast, super excited to have you here. I have to just say before we even get started, uh, tell me about your Zoom, about the Zoom room rating that you got.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, right. Opinion. Well, I mean this 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 room is is now sort of my trademark because one of the earliest people at Tailscale, Brad Fitzpatrick, uh, who was the founder of LiveJournal back in the day. Uh, after a previous interview, he forwarded this to the rate my Zoom room people on Twitter, and I actually got a. I will remember this probably forever. I got a, a one out of ten. Uh, raised a hundred million dollars maybe spend $75 on a setup, but like now I can't spend $75 on a setup because I'm so proud of this rating. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> I actually uh, beat several Republicans who got zero out of 10. Uh, so I'm feeling pretty good.
1: You're, you're doing it. It's kind of like Amazon with the uh, door desks that they brag about in Seattle, right? <laughs> like it's part of your focus. Y'all focus on the right things.
0: Exactly. I, uh, I really like the, the clean, uh, not too distracting view.
1: I man, I love. It. I need to learn from you. I got too many fake plants in the background, so
0: <laughs> this is good. It looks tell good. Us. Your audience needs something to look at, right?
1: That's fair. That's fair. Well, man, tell us how big you are now, just at Tailscale. How much money have you raised? How many people on your team?
0: Uh, Tailscale is now. Let's see. We recently passed about eighty employees. Uh, total amount of money raised, I think, is one hundred and thirteen million. So we did a three million seed. A you know what? I might be misremembering 115 because we raised 12 million series A and then hundred million series B.
1: That's amazing. Congratulations. When I first started this podcast, we always highlighted on these amazing raises and just kept going from there. But one of the most powerful things that I found is just parking on that and saying, okay, tell me one of the lower moments that you had before you had raised all that money, but on the journey of building tail scale.
0: It's a little bit tough. I think it's, Tailscale has been one of the most uh, positive experiences that I've had. We've just sort of been up and up and up. Uh, I've started a few startups before that. So, like my first startup, we started in the dot com days. It was really tough to raise money in two thousand one. Let me tell you, uh, we managed to do it, but it was it was tough. We were we were struggling with with dollars the entire time, and eventually we did okay. We uh, we uh, exited to IBM in two thousand eight, um, but it was it was only sort of moderately successful. Um, as companies go, because I think we made a few strategic mistakes early on. So at TailScale, we've been aiming very hard to not make those strategic mistakes. Uh, we got lucky at a few things. We, in particular, uh, was really good timing for us to have raised our Series B of 100 million at the uh, beginning of 2022, right before the bottom kind of dropped out of the market. And so we sort of saw that coming. We raised a little more money than otherwise we might have. Uh, and it was on purpose. We we pushed a little extra hard because we were expecting that things were going to be pretty tight for at least a couple of years.
1: Yeah, well, that's really interesting because, you know, a lot of startups like they're, they are up and to the right and and it's just awesome. But I, I appreciate your like perspective of like, hey, it's maybe this company has been that, but it's not always been like that. Was there like a, a story that a moment that you had with your co-founders of that first company before the IBM exit where you were like, man, I don't know if this is going to even continue uh, anything you could take us into?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, in that company, it was pretty tough. I think what we had there was, uh, I don't know how much you guys talk about this on this show, but I'm a big fan of Crossing the Chasm. the the book and the strategy Uh, and we didn't really discover crossing the chasm until pretty late in that company it was just like by the time I read it it was this like oh this is this is the textbook for everything that we've done wrong at this company Uh, I wish I had seen this five years sooner so the the mistake we made we did super great at that company with early adopters and we really had a lot of trouble crossing the chasm over into like real pragmatic buyers where the definition of a pragmatic buyer is you know they ask instead of they ask what are the features this thing do what i need they ask like, other people who have this problem what do they buy i want the same thing everybody else buys right and we never got to that point with that company so we had lots of great reviews we were in like you know of course it was like actual printed magazines at the time was the place to be uh we were in like pc magazine info world all, all the big ones we like got a uh, we shared an editor's choice with microsoft a windows small business server it was really like we were doing great except that we didn't have this pragmatic buyer Right. So with tail scale, we put a lot of work into like, yes, we had a lot of big, uh, great success again with the early adopters. And we've been putting a lot of work, especially through last year and this like, okay, let's make sure pragmatic buyers are not afraid of tail scale. What do we need to do to build this into a company that's serious? That's going to be around for a long time. That just sort of matches everything big pragmatic buyers need need in order to buy something. It's a different, uh, a different kind of experience.
1: Yeah. And you're building that foundation first before you try to jump like with all your marketing and get all this hype going.
0: Exactly, well, it's really important just to solve like one problem super, super well. And the big mistake we made at my first company was we solved a whole bunch of problems pretty well. Uh, but, but it was, there was no like group of people who were like, well, this is obviously the solution for everybody like me. And so tail scale, we're really trying to like narrow down and like, okay, who. Who are you? <laughs> why why is it that Tailscale is the perfect thing for people like you and every and all of your friends and all of your you know coworkers and the people in companies right next to you and so on?
1: Yeah, that's amazing. Can you so just going to Tailscale? I would love to start with that story. When did you first have the idea of what it has become today?
0: So before we even founded it, uh, I I left my previous job at Google uh, and I took six months off just to sort of decompress from that. Uh, and the before I knew anything else, I knew I wanted to start another startup It's like okay, it's time I, I I did some some work in the uh, big company mine saved up some money so I can do my next thing um, be, before I knew what we wanted to build uh, or even who my co-founders should be, uh, I knew what the name should be uh, It was tailscale and the reason it was tail scale is it's the opposite of internet scale so there was so much going on this was 2019. Uh, So much going on in the world where developers have been veering toward like let's let's make things more and more scalable every problem needs to scale to a billion users if you're not working on a billion users, what are you even doing wasting your time. Uh, And my observation is that actually in real life, almost all the projects done by almost all the people, including at giant companies like Google are not billion user projects. They're they're silly things like I have a dashboard for my 30 person team and I really need them to be able to see the results of this dashboard without like leaking it all over the internet, right? And so there's almost all the problems in the world are small problems. Uh, It's just that those small problems kind of add up to big things in the end. And even people working on billion user projects have a whole bunch of 30 user projects adjacent to it or part of it that they need to get done. And so I wanted to work on those problems. Um, and it was sort of, you know, I started shopping around just that idea. I'm like, I want to start a company. I think I'll call it tail scale. Like what's the opposite of internet scale. And I just like everybody, I know was like, what do you think about this idea? And eventually like, uh, uh two people who resonated with it the most were, uh, David Carney and David Krasa, my two co-founders. And so we ended up starting a company we still didn't know what exactly we were going to build. We knew it was going to have something to do with just making the sort of easy things easy.
1: This is so good. It's, it's so the reverse, like you said, around that. I mean, I wonder what it was like talking to investors in those early days. Well, yeah, we
0: we weren't sure. I mean, part of it was okay, if the idea is you want small teams, or you want to make small teams more effective then like, should we even be a VC funded company? Uh, Because like, you know, obviously, VCs specialize in making team making teams bigger, uh, not necessarily making like the small teams more successful, because they don't need more money that way. Right. Uh, So we we started in the early days, not thinking we actually wanted money. um, But we ended up just with the just shopping this around our first Big success was talking to a, a bank in Canada called Versabank, because I knew the I knew the CEO from a previous uh, iteration of my career. And he, he called me up was like, hey, Avery, I heard you starting a company. I heard you left Google. I have this problem. Uh, and my problem is that, like, look, we've got this banking software and it doesn't support two factor authentication. and I really need it to support two factor authentication, but it's going to be hard to retrofit that into this software. Uh, is there anything we can do? And I'm like, oh, this can't be that hard. I'll do you, you know, I can, I can do you this favor. i uh, probably not what I'm actually going to start a company to do, uh, but I'm sure we can solve this problem. And so we started looking into it and I'm like, okay, well, the solution to this is probably like move your banking software onto a network. That is already secure by two factor authentication and we'll just connect to it using a VPN that has two factor and so it doesn't really matter what the software on that network is doing or what the security model of that software is you're already authenticated by the time you connect in the first place. And so I'll just find you some a VPN program that will work reliably that you can run even when you're inside the office that'll solve this problem plug, plug it into your identity provider and off we go. So then i started looking around for products that would do this and to my surprise uh there weren't really any that were going to do the job very well so we slapped something together with wireguard like literally in a weekend it's the sort of it's kind of the joke on hacker news everyone always says like i could do that in a weekend but in this case we did do it in a weekend uh this was the demo and it worked pretty well and from there it was just like okay refine 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 and then we shopped it around to other people and said hey we built this thing is anybody interested um and it turned out people were really interested it turned out this there was we had accidentally stumbled on this huge problem uh which is that you know if i want to launch going back to our original idea like i want to launch a dashboard for my 30 person team right it's actually really hard first you have to make something that your 30 people on your team can connect to and then you have to make it so that nobody else can connect to it you have the connectivity problem and the security problem right and and just solving those two things, which is what TailScale effectively does, uh, now four years later, is is a super important problem for almost every team. And we, we really didn't see it coming. It was just like, okay, well, you know, our, my banker friend needed this. And then like, why don't we extend this a little bit and talk to people about that and see what we're really going to do. Uh, and so all the other stuff on my checklist for like what makes it hard to run an internal dashboard, there's like a hundred things and we only did the first, the top two. Uh, and we might not have time to do the other 98 for quite some time because so many people want us to do this top
1: two. Wow. I know everyone listening right now is blown away and just, I love your speed of talking. I love this story. Help me with, you said shopping it around to other people. So, cause I imagine that we've all had that call from someone who's like, Hey, I have this problem. Blah blah blah, but and maybe you solved their problem, but you're building a service company. If you can't do it for a lot of people, so I'm I'm curious how you did that shopping around. Like, how long did that actually take, and what were you doing?
0: So we talked to quite a few people for quite a few months. I think we ran into this first customer relatively early on because it's easy enough to start with like business people that I already know. Um, but we actually took a branch down a uh, direction of, of, of logs processing, uh, which was another thing I had done, including like some experience at Google and one of my co-founders had done some logs processing stuff. I even have a blog post about logs processing that I wrote before starting TailScale. Uh, and so we start we started talking to a company that was like upset about how their logs were going or they were overpaying for that and like, hey, can you build a system to solve this problem? We like started doing some calculations like, yes, we could do this. We could definitely make money in the logs processing world. Uh, but when we looked into it more deeply, like we talked to other people who might want that stuff, like they, the list of things they wanted was not exactly the list of things that I particularly wanted to build. It was kind of, it was very much a like, I don't know, uh, gut feeling kind of thing. It's like, yes, we, we could definitely make money in this, but I don't know that I'm going to like the direction uh, this takes us. Uh, and so I I was more interested in sort of the networking angle. It was more like, it felt more like you know, the original concept of like tail scale, is it solving the kind of problem that I'm trying to solve? How much more do I need to do with networking? Oh, this can't be that hard. We'll do this part and then we'll do the other parts you need to launch these dashboards. But we talked to probably a couple hundred people. Um, like we were like wide open channels, right? We were on Twitter, we were writing blog posts. We were listening to people like, hey, can you refer us to, you know, you talk to one person, it's like, hey, can you refer us to five more people or anybody else you think might have interesting problems that we could solve? Right. And it's, it's a pretty easy way to talk to people when when you're not actually trying to sell them something in the first place. Like you literally it's not even the like sort of like questionable, like, hey, I have a product, I just want your feedback, which I don't know if anybody really believes that anymore. It's like, look, I don't even have a product. <laughs> I just want to build some stuff. Can you tell me about your problems? And it turns out like lots of people uh, are willing to sp- spend half an hour to rant about their problems as well as, you're, as long as you're willing to actually listen.
1: <laughs> this is really interesting, but help me with how you picked the persona because you can get really confused. When I did that, I, I did about over, over a thousand customer discovery calls and I, it was really easy to get confused if I talked to different types of people. So I'm, I'm curious how you manage that.
0: Oh yeah. Well, I mean, they're all different, right? So this goes back to crossing the chasm again. I think maybe an undersold part of the book is the, is the part from before the chasm. Uh, so when you're in the early adopter visionary stage, uh, you actually... Don't need to worry too much about the fact that everybody you talk to is different. You're kind of looking for people who, like, when you mention a particular thing, they kind of like resonate. It's like, oh, well, God, network connectivity, that sucks. And like, oh, <laughs> a bunch of people seem to think network connectivity sucks. And a really common feeling is that like, look, my job is not network connectivity. I'm trying to do something else, right? It has nothing to do with my job. All of this crap, security and authentication and encryption and keys and VPNs and all this other stuff, like, look, none of that was in my list of things I wanted to do. I just wanted to make a dashboard for my team. I even made the dashboard. It's running on my laptop right now. And now there's like twice as much work I have to do over again just so they can connect to it. This is stupid. I don't like doing any of it. I never want to think about it again. Right. And this is just generally the theme and it's amazing how many different people and how many different walks of life believe that their job is not networking, right, it's kind of the it's like the anti um, uh, persona, right, it's like I'm not asking you what you do want to do, but we found a lot of people who definitely don't want to do that. Right. And then, you know, we built a product for the kind of visionary people who are willing to try that as we started narrowing things down when we got to the part of crossing the chasm. It's another story. Then you okay, who is the actual buyer of the product who will eliminate this problem uh, for a whole bunch of people in your organization? Yes, you have to narrow that down. Uh, but the actual product came from sort of the opposite of that. We are, we are, you know, a networking product. The whole point of it is to just disappear. So you think about it as little as possible. It's a tiny little icon uh, in the toolbar on your MacBook or something. And you should hopefully never have to click that icon. That's our dream.
1: I love that. I think a lot of HR solutions have done a good job with this for i mean i know even that's a different example because people do like doing that but there's a lot of things where it's like an early stage founder like a you're not you're not building a company to manage hr <laughs> you're building a company to solve a, a problem so yeah. I love yeah, that's my- a
0: great example right because an early stage startup might not even have an hr person uh, who is making decisions like this they have a founder who's never done it before but they need to get rid of these problems and so a product that can do that as smoothly as possible is works for that market
1: I love that. And and there, you understood their job to be done. I'm sure you're familiar with that as well, but like the job to be done was like, we want a dashboard so we can communicate. And like, these are just some annoying things that have like hit me in the face that I can't accomplish it without it. Exactly. Yeah. That's and as we've, of- as
0: we've expanded, things have gone quite a bit, uh, well gotten a little more, it depends who you talk to, right. We're still tail scale is still good for like disappearing in the distance for startups. Uh, and bigger companies they want like fancy security features, fancy connectivity features and so on. So you end up talking to CIOs and CISOs and they give you a long list of things they do want, but it's funny how compatible those things are. They just they don't mind doing a little bit more work to do an extensive deployment across the entire company, but they want to eliminate networking problems for everybody at the company so that everybody at the company doesn't have to think about networking anymore. And that it was, you know, we started in 2019, 2020 came along, suddenly networking uh, became really important because nobody was coming to the office anymore. So it was like, okay, you're not going to run your network the way you thought you were going to run your network. Everything's different. And so people started being a little more flexible with how they're thinking about solving these problems.
1: I love it. The last question is around validating that they would be willing to spend money before you built it. So like that CEO who calls you like, you're obviously just like assuming that they have a budget and blah, blah, blah. But how did you test for the actual money part?
0: Right. Well, like I said, our first customer that we sort of just, like, fell into was uh, this bank, and they obviously were willing to spend money. Um, It turned out to be actually pretty... Well, maybe i'll tell a different story so back in 2019 before we started raising any money we we did the sort of cliche thing we actually didn't intend to raise money but we went down to uh san francisco uh to meet up with some uh investors just to like get a reading on how they saw the market and so the the cliche is uh you know if you if you ask investors for advice they'll give you money if you ask them for money they'll give you advice uh so we were not asking for uh money we were we were asking for advice but when we talk to people they're like oh i know what you what happened uh, you have this product that is appealing to people at the so-called bottom-up side of the market. Developers and individuals trying to get work done want to use your product. And the problem with you know developers in particular is they are cheapskates. Uh, and so trying to get them to spend money is really tough. But what you've accidentally built is this product that already has some social proof. You've got a bank that deployed this software across their entire organization. So you've got something that like enterprises use and love and are willing to buy, but you've got something that developers really, really want. Right, so as long as you can build this hybrid business model where developers can adopt it really easily. And then once they've shown that they love it a lot, they can actually tell the buying the buyer decision makers inside their organization like hey this thing's amazing. Why are we using this other garbage stuff (laughs) throw it away and buy that for everybody, please it's going to make this company so much better so the We really kind of stumbled into this almost completely by accident, but it turns out, this is the modern hybrid product led growth business model. Right. And so we just, we have this thing that is like connectivity. So the IT people like it security for the, so the security people like it, and then it's developer friendly. So you still get this bottom-up adoption.
1: This is amazing. I've r- thoroughly enjoyed this story. Just it, it, the very last question is around just how you view expanding your current customers or any, any like just word of advice that you would give to a founder about your current customers that you have right now, as you continue to grow the company. Um, I think,
0: I mean, for us, it's, it's always been about, like, let's look at how people are using the product and make sure that they really love it a lot. Uh, One of the earliest bits of advice we got in this 2019 uh, trip to visit a bunch of investors, one person said that, like, Avery, do they like your product or do they love your product? I'm like, huh, this is 2019. This is, like, version 0.1 or whatever. And I'm like, well, I'm going to say they like it, <laughs> right? And so he's like, okay, well, that's your that's your mission for the next 12 months is make sure they love your product. And so that's what we did for the next 12 months. And we've been continuing to do is like, look, when you get people who really love your product, then they tell people about it. Right. And the more they love it, the more they tell people about it. And TailScale has been really fun because we put everything into that. And so we have this huge word of mouth where like people are like ranting to their friends about how much they love this thing. This thing that started out as like, I never want to think about networking again in my life. They're like, I don't understand networking. But this thing is so amazing, exactly because I never have to think about networking and so I'm thinking about networking constantly, you have to try this thing it's so amazing. Right and and when we do that when we do that and make sure that they're just having success and then on a daily basis like finding more reasons to use Tailscale, The money just kind of follows right i'm sure that's not true in every business, but obviously in the like networking and security connectivity developer infrastructure space like. If developers really love using something and they use it more and more and more every day, there's money there, right? It's The important thing is not to spend all your time worrying about the money. Uh, the money will come. Just worry about making sure the users love the software and use it more and more every day.
1: Oh, that's amazing. And I know I said that was the last question, but what's the biggest lever that you use to to get to that point of these our customers love it and they don't just like it?
0: So, I mean, most important thing is just listen to people's feedback it's so obvious right, but we have, we have many ways that we listen we're on social media like I personally hang out on Twitter and, and monitor like every usage of the word Tailscale scale in various different channels And i'm like looking every day it's like. Well, is it good news or is it bad news and it's amazing how few remaining things that anybody complains about tail scale like you can go on a search trying to find feedback about tail scale and it is kind of hard to find people who are upset about things there's still you know if i was to make a list there's like five things i can find hacker news has always got the cynics right so it's great when we end up on hacker news and you read through the comments and like tail is amazing blah 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 and some people are like oh these people are shills how do you have kept the front page on hacker news so often you must be cheating it's like okay you can discard those but there's a few people they want they want this and they want that and we just like make the list and we just keep chopping through those specific things, the things that are making, you know, I don't know. I know net promoter score is like kind of not in vogue nowadays, but the underlying concept of like there's the people in the middle who just don't bother talking about you and the people at the bottom who tell people not to use your product and the people who taught at the top who tell people to use your product. Right. You just want to get rid of those people at the bottom and you want to move more and more people from the middle to the top. And it all comes down to like, okay, what was your experience? How can we make that better? right? We offer free support for everybody. Um, So there's no like, I mean, there are paid premium support tiers because companies need that. But like anybody who uses the product, even on the $0 plan, you can send us an email and you will get our best people trying to find your problem and, and solve it. Because we know that that problem, if it happened to you, happens to thousands of other people, and we need to solve it as fast as we can.
1: Oh, Avery, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Google. If you want to learn more about Zendesk for Startups and our free offer, please check out our website at zendesk.com slash startups.